Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Chapter 8 of Ursula K. Le Guin's third Earthsea novel, The Farthest Shore, is titled The Children of the Open Sea. And we don't actually get the children at the very beginning of the chapter. Instead, Aaron and Sparrowhawk or Ged are floating in his boat, Look Far. He has been terribly wounded and things are looking pretty bad. And then they are rescued fairly early on. There's a description. They stood in the boat, three of them, Stalk thin and angular, great-eyed like strange dark herons or cranes. Their voices were thin like birds' voices. He did not understand them. One of them knelt above him with a dark bladder on his arm and tipped from it into Aaron's mouth. It was water. Aaron drank, avidly choked, drank again till he drained the container. Then he looked about and struggled to his feet, saying, Where is he? For in look far with him were only the three strange splendor men. They've taken Ged, and he doesn't know where Ged has gone off to or been taken off to. And you'll find out later that these are very good people and Ged is slowly healing. The chief had made a decision to take them in, even though they're not members of this tribe that exists out on the open seas. And they have essentially safety sanctuary and all the things that they need in order to recover and to be ready for the rest of their quest doing that. And what do we know about these people? We get to know them over time. For example, there's a vignette of Aaron swimming with them. And he's been a decent swimmer in the past, but he can't compare to these kids who swim all the time, right? And they suggest, swim like this, swim like this, try this, try this. And so he's sort of like a child in a way to them, in part because he comes from a place where very different skills are needed. These people live almost the entire year on the open sea. You could say that their existence is on the sea, even though they put in to land once a year as the explanation goes to get timber from this place called Long Dune. And if you look on the map of Earthsea, you see that Long Dune is about as far south and as far west as you're going to get. Well, as it turns out, the ocean extends even further to the west and to the south. Indeed, perhaps in every direction from Earthsea. And when Aaron asks, where are we? The chief simply gestures and Laguine says in sort of a compass going from north to east and says, all the islands are there. We are down this way from these islands. And Ged, when he's asked about it, will say, these people are really living off the map. This is further than any of our charts go. And they seem to have a idyllic, dreamlike existence. As it turns out, that's because of where they currently are in the great cycle of their year. They're harvesting a kind of seaweed. They're catching fish. They're eating. As the narrator is going to say, these people don't measure hours at all. Everything is measured in terms of days and nights. And there's a very interesting discussion that takes place in there that I, I would 
like to bring up. So he says, that evening until dark and all the next long golden day and all the days that followed, Aaron swam and talked and worked with the young people of Star's Raft. And of all the events of his voyage since that morning of the equinox when he and Sparrowhawk left Roke, this seemed to him in some way the strangest, for it had nothing to do with all that had gone before in the voyage or in his life, and even less to do with what was yet to come. At night, lying down to sleep among the others under the stars, he thought, it is as if I were dead. And this is an afterlife here in the sunlight, beyond the edge of the world, among the sons and daughters of the sea. And we find out, he says, he knew their life could not always be lived in this dreamlike ease. He asked of winter, and they told him of the long rains and mighty swells, the single rafts, each separated from the rest, drifting and plunging along through the gray and darkness week after week after week. Last winter, in a month-long storm, they'd seen waves so great they were like thunderclouds, they said, for they'd not seen hills. From the back of one wave, the next could be seen immense miles away, rushing hugely towards them. Could the rafts ride such seas, he asked, and they said, yes, but not always. They married very young. Many babies crept and toddled among the rafts, tied by long leashes to the four posts of the central shelter, all crawling into it during the heat of the day and sleeping in wriggling heaps. The older children tended to the younger. Men and women shared in all the work. And a little bit later, Aaron actually says... He knew now why this tranquil life and sea and sunlight on the rafts seemed to him like an afterlife or a dream. It was because he knew in his heart reality was empty. Without life or warmth or color or sound, without meaning, there were no heights or depths. All this lovely play of form and light and color on the sea and in the eyes of men was no more than that, a playing of illusions on the shallow void. This is when he's talking with Sparrowhawk and he's going to confess to him that he betrayed his, his trust, that he gave in to his fear, his horror, his terror of death. And Sparrowhawk helps him. He takes his hand and then he says Aaron's true name, Labanan. Labanan, this is, and thou art. There is no safety and there is no end. The word must be heard in silence. There must be darkness to see the stars. The dance has always danced above the hollow place, above the terrible abyss. So Ged is not saying, oh, Labanan, take it easy. Look at, look at these people here, how nice their life is. There's a recognition that death is always there. Destruction, the abyss is always before us. But while we have time, we can still choose. We can still act. We can still be what we are. And there's a healing that is taking place for Labanan or Aaron and for Ged, Sparrowhawk, while they're here with these people, a healing of the body, but also a healing of their spirits that is going to allow them to deal with the problems ahead. Going back to the location thing, there's this interesting discussion about the life of these people. We've already mentioned going to the Long Dune and what happens in winter. And Aaron finds out that they are not only southeast of all the islands, they're in this great path that is being followed. And in the great path, the people, the children of the open sea are following the great whales who they view as the, the great ones or the old ones. As a matter of fact, they thought that perhaps Ged might be one of them in disguise. So in spring, they are where they currently are in the story on the roads of Balatron. And they ask Ged and Aaron, how did you wind up here in Balatron? And they're like, Bala what? 
I don't know what you're talking about. This is where they meet together after the winter and marry and dance and harvest and join together in all of their stuff. And then they go south. Yet further south on the great current following the old ones in the summer. In the fall, as the whales go back north, they travel back north again to the long dune where they harvest timber and other things that they need from the land. This is the only time that they're really going ashore. And then in winter, as we've spoken about, each of the rafts goes alone through the grayness, the darkness, the great waves, the storms, and they survive or they don't. And every year, there's a few rafts missing when they reunite at Balatrar, but they build new rafts and, you know, they keep up their population through what they do. And they have their own culture. They have their own, you could call it their own dialect of language because, you know, they have no word for hill, for example. As Sparrowhawk will remark, it's, it's kind of nice living with these people, but can you imagine never seeing a pear tree in blossom or the taste of a running spring? There are things that they simply don't have words or concepts for. And there's a central question that's being posed and then being answered in the, the next chapter. Can the children of the see continue in this existence apart from the other people of Earthsea who clearly are suffering. There's there's a major problem, a crisis that's going on. The equilibrium has been disequilibriated and magic, luck, whatever you want to call it, joy in life is running out of the world. Can these people continue on? And there's a discussion here. The chief says, I have thought of the things you have told me, how men think to come back from death into their own bodies and seeking to do this, forget the worship of the gods and neglect their bodies and go mad. This is an evil matter and a great folly. Also, I have thought, what does it have to do with us? We have nothing to do with other men, their islands, their ways, their makings and unmakings. We live on the sea and our lives are the seas. We do not hope to save them. We do not seek to lose them. Madness does not come here. We do not come to land, nor do the landfall come to us. When I was young, we spoke sometimes with men who came on boats to the Long Dune when we were there to cut the, the raft logs and build the winter shelters. Often we saw sails from Ohol and Wellwai. Following the great whales in the autumn, often they followed our rafts from afar, for we know the roads and meeting places of the great ones in the sea. But this is all I ever saw of the land folk, and now they come no longer. Maybe they've all gone mad and fought with one another. Two years ago on the long dune, looking north to Wellwai, we saw for three days the smoke of a great burning. If that were so, what is it to us? We are the children of the open sea. We go the sea's way. And so there's an idea that maybe they'll escape. If, if all the rest of Earth's sea crashes and burns, maybe this is the continuance of humanity. As it turns out, they are not so distantly connected to the rest of Earthsea. One prime example of that is the dance that all of them engage in, the long dance, which is held on every aisle of the archipelago, though the steps and songs may vary. And what we find when they are engaging in the long dance, the chief asks... Why do you cease? It's not even daybreak, not dawn. And the man stammers and says, I don't know. Sing on, the chief says. The long dance is not ended. I do not know the words, the chanter said, and his voice rose high as if in terror. I cannot sing. I have forgotten the song. Sing another then. 
There are no more songs, it is ended, the chanter cried, and fell forward till he crouched on the decking, and the chief stared in him at amazement. The mage stands up and says, The dance is not ended, nor the night Aaron sing. Aaron would have said, I cannot, Lord, but he drew a deep breath and sang, and before the song was ended, the sky had paled to grayish blue. The chief says, That's a good song. It would not be well to end the long dance before it is completed. I will have the lazy chanters beaten with nigel thongs. And Sparrowhawk says, comfort them rather. No singer chooses silence. So it's clear that the same catastrophe that is happening all across Earthsea to human beings is happening to these children of the sea as well. It's not a refuge. It's not a escape from what's occurring universally. And so Ged and Aaron, in solving this issue at the, the end of the novel, will be solving it as well for the children of the open sea. But for, for a brief period, we get to see this very interesting group, this very interesting community of people who heal and help the two people, the Archmage and the young princeling on their way. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.